Well, g'day there and welcome to the Oak City Church podcast. We are so glad that you've joined us today for another encouraging message from our Sunday gatherings of Oak City Church. If we can connect with you in any way, please see us at oakcitychurch.com.au or check out our socials online. We hope to see you in person soon. Mountains. There was the Mount of Transfiguration, 
the Mount of Olives, where he prayed, he was betrayed and arrested. Perhaps the most famous, famous mountain of all in his ministry, Mount Golgotha, the hill of the skull, where he suffered and was crucified. And then there was the mountain where he gave the Great Commission and ascended into heaven, the mountains. My wife and I, we honeymooned in Canada, we've been married 19 years. We drove through uh, the Rocky Mountains from Vancouver all the way up to Jasper, uh, through places like Banff, Lake Louise. It was an amazing experience. Uh, being married was also an amazing experience. <laughs> But uh, we don't have mountains in Australia. You look at the Rocky Mountains and you just look up and look up and look up and up. We have blue hills, not blue mountains. But there's something majestic and awe-inspiring about high places, about mountains. The high ground, it's visible, it's a vantage point. The high ground's a place of shelter and refuge. High ground is a safety, a stronghold. It's a better place to wage war or a battle from is the high ground. But the high ground is also more difficult to access. It's harder to win. Ascending, going up, is a lot harder than coming down. And one of the most important aspects of battle is to work out how to defend or how to capture the high ground. The life that you are saved and called into, the vision that the Lord has given this church, it's a spiritual battle. And so in a spiritual sense, it's important that we identify the high ground and work to capture the high ground. I looked at the website, I've been hanging out with Charlie a lot to see a spiritual awakening in Blacktown. I love the first part of your vision statement, by the way. Church trying to live without the BS. That's good. I feel very comfortable with that. You're the only church I know with, a, with an acronym like that. <laughs> The Constitution is just full of colourful language. <laughs> I, I would like to see the Constitution, actually. Uh, very good. Because the Constitution in and of itself, I think, can be a little bit of the acetonics. Yeah, so, but now you've got one, so are you really true <laughs> to your mission statement? To see a spiritual awakening in Blacktown. I wonder what comes to mind when you think about that vision coming to pass. When you think about participating in something like that, to see a spiritual awakening in Blacktown, that's high ground. That's high ground. That's high ground that you've identified, that's high ground that you've named, to see a spiritual awakening in Blacktown. High ground doesn't happen by accident, guys. Taking the high ground, capturing the high ground doesn't happen by accident. You've got to name it, you've got to be prepared to die on that hill. Don't be prepared to die on that hill. I wonder how many times Jesus must have walked by the hill of the skull, Mount Golgotha, and thought, that's the hill I'm going to die on. How many times did he walk past that hill or seen that hill in throughout his time in Jerusalem or around Jerusalem and see the hill of the skull, the hill that he died on? That cross, that was his high ground. That was the high ground that would cost him his life where he had accomplished his mission and purpose. So let me ask us this question this morning as you think about the vision of a spiritual awakening in Blacktown and you also think about the things that the Lord has called you to, are those the hills that you're willing to die on? Are those the hills that you're willing to die on? Maybe you've heard that phrase before. Is that a hill worth dying on? Are you willing to die on that hill? Indeed there are some battles that are not worth fighting, there are some hills that are not worth dying upon. 
in life and, and ministry and church and planting churches and growing churches and doing the things that the Lord has called each of us to, there's no shortage of battles to fight. There's no shortage of things that we can enter into. But what are the hills that were called by Jesus to give our absolute all to? Those are the ones that matter. Those battles, those hills that are worth dying on. And perhaps there's a personal application here where perhaps we all need to get before the Lord afresh with humble and hungry hearts and say, Lord, the battles that I'm fighting right now, are those the hills that you've called me to? Are those the battles that are worth fighting? Or have I entered in to battles that are simply not worth fighting, not worth wasting my time, effort on? Because the enemy would love to distract us on all sorts of battlefields that we were never called to be on. I know. I'm a quarter Irish. Um, when I had hair, it was red. I, I could fire up easy. I grew up playing cricket. I love a sledge. I love entering into the battle. I love it. There's something about me that just is like a, 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 a hound dog with, with the scent. But there are some battles that just aren't worth fighting. I think I'm, I'm a week away from turning 40. Woo! I'm making, thank you, Charlie. That's really exciting. Um, I, I think as you, as you get a little bit older, you begin to discern a little bit better where you should and shouldn't enter in. And I'm making that conscious effort not to enter in. I mean, we had some drama in our kids' soccer team the other week. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, one of the kids got punched, not our kid, one of the kids got punched, and the parents decided that they were going to press charges and this and that. And, uh, you know, I, I just decided that's not a battle I'm entering into. Why would, why would our family need to enter into that chaos? That's not a battle worth fighting for. Other people's battles. Battles the Lord never called us to. Initiatives that don't bear kingdom fruit in any discernible way. Let's not enter in quite as often to those battles. I want to read to you a story about a guy um, in Exodus and Numbers. His name's Caleb. He's a pretty inspiring guy. But let's just read a few uh, verses here. I'll give you a little bit of context to this guy. When uh, the Israelites had come out of Egypt, they'd been uh, released from Egypt by the hand of God. You know, the ten plagues, the ten miracles that God did to bring them out of Egypt. And then God had parted the Red Sea. I mean, imagine if that happened. That's <laughs> pretty incredible, right? In part of the Red Sea, they'd gone out into the wilderness. They spent some time in the wilderness as they went towards this place that they believed God had promised for them, the promised land. Moses was their leader at the time, and he sent 12 spies into the promised land. Caleb was one of these 12 spies. Ten of the spies went into the promised land. Now, think about everything that had happened. Miracles in Egypt, miracles parting the Red Sea, provision of miraculous food from heaven, all that sort of stuff. Their shoes didn't wear out. There was just so much amazing things, so many amazing things that happened. And then these 12 guys go into the promised land to spy it out. Ten of those 12 guys come back and go, we can't do it. Just think about where they've come from. <laughs> Ten of those 12 come back and go, we can't do it. People are too strong. The cities are too fortified. The land's good, don't get me wrong. The high ground, we like it, but we can't take it. Two guys come back and say, we can do it. We can do it because we know God's with us. Caleb was one of those two guys that came back and said, we can do it. The other was Joshua. This is a story about an exchange that Caleb and Joshua had after that, many, many years after that. 
45 years, in fact, they've gone in and taken the promised land. And it says this in Joshua 14, if you're taking notes, it says, Then the people of Judah came to Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of him, <laughs> said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God in Kadesh Barnea, concerning you and me? I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from there to spy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in my heart. But my brothers who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt. Yet I have wholly followed the Lord my God, and Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land on which your foot has trodden shall be an inheritance for you and your children forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive, just as he said, These forty-five years since the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses, while Israel walked in the wilderness, and now behold, I mean, you can do his maths, I'm 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as I was in the day Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then, for war and for going and coming. So now give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day how the Anakim were there with great fortified cities. It may be that the Lord will be with me. And I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. Then Joshua blessed him, and he gave uh, Hebron to Caleb, the son of that guy, for an inheritance. And therefore Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. This guy Caleb, he got to a point in his life where he'd been promised the high ground, he'd been promised this place. 45 years later, he came to Joshua and he said, it's time for me to have that high ground. It's time for me to take the high ground that I've been promised. So I just want to share a few things about Caleb that may motivate and inspire you in the things that the Lord has called you to, both individually, as families, and as a church here in Blacktown. The first thing is this, that Caleb saw with eyes of faith. Caleb saw with eyes of faith. As I said, Moses sent 12 spies into the Promised Land. All those spies had seen the same thing, experienced the same thing. They'd all walked through the Red Sea. They'd all eaten the manna. They'd all done that. Ten came back with a negative report. Only two saw with eyes of faith, Joshua and Caleb. This week I was sharing, just I'm a visionary. Charlie knows it. I talk vision a lot. I was sharing some vision with someone and, uh, and, and you know, just telling them about the incredible ways that I believe God was connecting the dots for us as a church and some of the doors of possibility that he was opening. And, uh, you know, I said, so what do you think? And they said, yeah, but what about this and that? And, well, you know, you haven't really thought that through, have you? And it was just like the ultimate wet blanket came upon the vision. And I thought, you're just like one of the ten spies. <laughs> you just can't, no, seriously, you just can't see. You're just not looking with eyes of faith. It's actually not that hard to see how the Lord might be connecting these dots. But don't some people just see the problem and some people just see the possibility? I would encourage you, don't be a wet blanket. Don't be like that. Don't, and, and, and sometimes you say, oh, yeah, but the Lord's just giving me a critical eye. <laughs> or a cynical eye. Or the Lord's just giving me that problem-solving ability. Or, you know, just that gift of discernment. It's not a gift of discernment. It's a gift of a lack of faith. That's all it really is. When we struggle to see that with God... All things are possible. Yeah, that's 
look with eyes of faith, to see a spiritual awakening in Blacktown. Which lens do you look at that through? Oh yeah, but Blacktown's a hard place. Challenges are overwhelming. We're too few. Yeah, what about with eyes of faith? What's the Lord say? Do you remember the guy called Jonathan in the Bible? He said he had some high ground that he wanted to take, which is him and his armor bearer. He said to his armor bearer, let's go from down here to up there and uh, let's take him on. Just him and his armor bearer taking on a whole garrison of Philistines, a whole, uh, you know, squadron of Philistines. And what did he say? Perhaps, perhaps the Lord will work on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Eyes of faith. Eyes of faith. Without God, without faith, it's impossible to please God. You can't do anything the Lord has called you to do without faith. Now we think, oh, we've only got five loaves and two fish. Five loaves and two fish, if that was the only part of the equation, you're right, it's not a lot. But it's not the only part of the equation. Five loaves plus two fish plus Jesus becomes a miracle. How quickly we forget. It's not about the loaves and fish. It's about whose hands they are in. Do you ever read that story where Jesus feeds the 5,000 and just wonder how did that happen? How did it happen? I mean, I would like a little bit more detail because I'd like to know, well, if that's how that happened, then maybe that's how this will happen. What? What are we believing to see accomplished for the Lord? Who knows how? But if you want to be part of a miracle, maybe it's just as simple as continuing to give what the Lord's put in your hand. Maybe it isn't just that simple. Maybe it's just as simple as carrying that faith that just believes, hey, whatever God's put in my hand, I'm just going to keep distributing that. I'm going to keep putting that to use. And I don't know how it keeps multiplying in my hand. I don't know how I continue to have a handful. I don't know how I continue to have energy and fervor and zeal and passion. I don't know how I continue to walk through doors of opportunity. I don't know how we continue to just reach the right people or be connected in the right place at the right time with the right person. I don't know how that continues to happen step by step by step, but I've got the faith to believe that Jesus has put this in my hand and he's going to continue to multiply it as I go. Eyes of faith. Eyes of faith. Spiritual awakening in black town. Things the Lord's called you to. Look at that with eyes of faith. Here's the second thing about Caleb. Caleb carried a different spirit. It says in Numbers chapter 14, another part of the Bible where it's talking about Caleb. It says, but because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. A different spirit. Have you ever met someone who just seems to have a different spirit? Just meet them and they're like, there's just something I can't quite put my finger on about you. My best mate has a different spirit. Such a good guy. Carries a different spirit in the industry that the Lord's placed him in. Just a way to be able to connect with people, solve problems, to be able to walk through situations, to be able to construct deals that nobody else could see or could connect those dots. Just a different spirit. A spirit that just is completely surrendered and submitted to the will of God for his life. A, a spirit that just says, man, the things of eternity matter more than the things of earth. A different spirit, a life completely surrendered to Christ, a commitment to completely taking God at his word. People with a different spirit are rare. 
But here's what I've noticed over over 25 years or so of following Jesus, is that when a few people who have a different spirit get together, amazing happens. Miraculous happens. It doesn't take a lot. It just takes a few people who carry a different spirit to unite around the cause of Christ, and he supernaturally begins to connect the dots. I think the other ten spies probably thought there was safety in numbers. I'll just go with the majority here. I'm a little unsure, but uh, I'm just going to play it safe. I'll just go, I'll just vote with the majority. I mean, there were 11 disciples who stayed on the boat, only one who walked on the water. Different spirit. They're rare. To do what the Lord's calling you to do here, it's going to take a different spirit. It's going to take having that different spirit, the spirit that follows the Lord wholeheartedly. Normal will not get it done. Uh, new normal. <laughs> right? We, we, we don't need a new normal. We need a radically different. We don't need to find the church's new normal. Sorry if I'm shooting down any sacred cows here. Maybe that's language that will work for you. I'm sorry. But we don't need new normals. Man, I just cringe whenever I hear that term, new normal, new normal. No, no, there's nothing about what the Lord's called us to that's normal. We need radically different. We need to carry that different spirit. In my local area, which is the Hills District. I just take this approach wherever I go. Around my gym, the cafes that I go to, my neighbourhood, the sporting team that I coach, the con- different connections around the place when I get invited to go to the local school to share a devotional or whatever it might be, chaplaincy, Kelly Public School. The attitude that I have, I'm their pastor, they just don't know again. So I've got a friend, his name's Adam. Adam owns the gym that I go to, can you tell? I'll be working out. <laughs> but uh, I've, I've just decided that Adam's part of my church. I'm Adam's pastor. He just doesn't know it yet. So I'm going to champion him in his business. I'm going to encourage him. I'm going to pray for him. I'm going to talk about the things of God with him as though he were already a part of my church, but he just doesn't know that yet. So Adam wants to start the second gym about 15 minutes up the road from where his first gym is. Kind of a bit like we've started a second church community 15 up, fifteen minutes up the road from where our first church community is. So I've just decided, I'm just going to tell Adam about what I'm learning about starting this second place and believe that God's going to supernaturally connect the dots in his heart and there's going to be enough there where he's going to begin to become more and more curious about the things of God. So I was talking to him the other day just about his second place. And going, man, when we started our second community, just 15 minutes up the road, what we did was we took a small group of people out of our first community and we inspired them around the vision of the second community. We brought them together. We formed community amongst them and unity amongst them and a sense of vision and purpose amongst them and ways that they could contribute. And we were able to start our second community with a great core of people. And he goes, oh, is this? Just that different spirit, that different approach. I mean, what other pastors do that? Trip the people that they interact with beyond their church as if they were part of their church. They just don't know it yet. Do you know, it would just be an amazing win today 
if only one or two people just decided that they were going to play a little less safe and make danger their middle name. If you just decided that today you'd make danger your middle name, that you just take that step of faith, that you would put something out there for the Lord, that you would take a risk, do something dangerous. You know, I've had I've had like sore fingers all week. It's either I'm about to turn 40 and getting old and responding to winter, or, and I choose to just believe this instead, that somebody here or somebody watching on the live stream just needs healing from joint pain. Is, is there anyone here that needs healing from joint pain? Or anyone on the live stream that need healing from joint pain? I'll pray for you right now. Is there anyone here? No? Maybe on the live stream? You do? Wonderful. Come and hold my hand. I'm going to pray for you. Father, I thank you for my sister. I thank you for your healing power. And right now, would you just release her from this joint pain? Father, would you bring supernatural, powerful, life-transforming healing? God, release her from pain. And we pray for no reoccurrence and no comeback for this pain. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless. Now, let's get even more scary. Does anybody know someone who has joint pain? And you want to just basically operate in that gift of healing and step out, make danger your middle name, carry a different spirit, and pray for them. Either when you go home, or you go back to the neighborhood, or when you see them at work, or whatever it might be, does anyone want to do that? Does anyone want to commit to making danger their middle name? Being like this guy, because I don't want to just preach and feel here, I want you to do something with us, right? So does anyone want to believe that they're going to meet or know that they already know someone with joint pain, and this week, they're going to step out, with boldness. By the power of your spirit, God, give us the gift of healing that the next person that we meet, or that person that we already know who's suffering from joint pain or arthritis, Lord, that you give us the courage and the boldness to step out and pray for that person and believe to see them healed. That they may glorify and know you more. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Just make it into the Here's the third thing. Caleb kept strong. Am I out of time? How are we doing so much? <laughs> At 85, Caleb was as strong, zealous, full of faith as he was at 40. He hadn't let the last four and a half decades discourage him in any way. That same spirit, that same faith, that same fervor that he had when he spied out the promised land and said it could be done. The Lord's with us. He still had that at 85. Now, he didn't just stroll up a mountain and, you know, pitch his tent and go, this is where I belong. He had people that he needed to drive out of those mountains, out of that high ground at 85. There were still people living there. But he knew that was his high ground, that was his mountain. And at 85, the Lord's still giving me strength to be able to take that high ground. So, Joshua... After your permission right now to release me from the battles on the low ground and send me into my battle for the high ground at 85. He kept growing in his faith. He kept growing in his fervor and his strength. His pursuit of his promised land didn't wane over the years. I sat down with a couple a few years ago. God bless them. God loves them. And all that, they're lovely people. If they happen to be on this live stream, which the chances are 0.0000001%, 0. 0. 0. 0. 0. 0. 0. 
That's good. So just don't share the live stream if you're on it, because then the odds go up. I sat down with this couple. I know we're in their 60s, and they're lovely people. But it was a really heartbreaking meeting as a, as a pastor of a church to hear an older couple say their years of contribution, our years of contribution are done. We want to go somewhere else. We want to settle down. We want to sit. And effectively what they were saying is we just want to attend a church. We don't want to contribute anymore. And I did what any pleasant 37-year-old pastor, fresh into a new role would do. He said, God bless you. Go for it. But in my heart, I just got to admit, I just felt so sad. I just felt so sorry for them. I thought, wow. When I grow up, when I grow up, I want to be different. <laughs> when I grow up, I want to stand. That's not to say your energy doesn't weigh in. It's not to say this or that. It's not to say there's not different seasons of life. It's not to say that there's different things that the Lord calls you to. And perhaps their hearts are in the right place. But, you know, the greatest testimony I think we can leave to the generations following after us is not that our faith wanes, yeah. not that our commitment wanes, not that our contribution wanes, not that we fade off into the sunset, but it continues to grow. Right. That the young people, that the children of our churches see, man, we are more passionate about the Lord than ever. Mm-hmm. I didn't just sing, I want to be a history maker yeah. in youth group. I carried that same spirit into my 20s, into my 30s, into my 40s, into my 60s, into my 80s. Perhaps that's why so many churches just aren't really working. Sorry, we're going to go no BS for a moment. But just perhaps that's why, because as we grow up, I'm not just talking to the old, old, older people, I'm talking to me, I'm talking to us. Perhaps as we grow up, we just settle. And we stop growing. But here's Caleb who says, man, I'm 85. I've got just as much strength. I've got just as much faith. And I'm ready to drive out these geese on my mountain. I'm ready to drive them out. Just let me at it. Don't you find that challenging? If we want what these guys had, if we want to experience the miracles of the Bible, if we want to experience... The powerful hand of God. We, uh, it's not that difficult. We've just got to look at what they did, look at who they were, and set our eyes like flint on those things. Have the faith, have the strength, have the courage, have the convictions that they have. Let's continue to grow in faith and further. My, the pain in my fingers is literally gone now. Like it's literally, I've had it all week. I've had this little arthritic pain. I've been trying to warm my fingers up and putting them in my pockets and all this, just thinking it was the cold. And I realized this morning it's not just the cold. It was for someone who was here and it was for you guys to, you know, step out into. And literally, I don't have any pain in my fingers anymore. That is that's so good. I'm glad it's gone. <laughs> Sometimes the Lord just does that. Sometimes the Lord just allows you to feel a symptom or feel something. And it's not that you're getting sick. It's not that you're getting arthritis or anything like that. It's just a word of knowledge. It's just a, just something that the Lord's doing to just get your attention to something. We talked about training wheels in the Spirit. There's some training wheels to put on. You get a sore elbow or a sore back or a headache or 
begin to feel foggy or confused or whatever, sometimes it's not just about you. It's about someone that you're with. So just be perceptive. What's the Holy Spirit challenging or speaking to your heart and mind about today? Seeing through that lens of faith, seeing with eyes of faith, carrying a different spirit, making danger your middle name, staying strong, keeping strong. What's the Lord speaking to you about? Now, those three points. Which one's for you? Why don't you just hold that before the Lord right now in your heart as I pray? Why don't you just make your own commitment and response to the message this morning? Holy Spirit, we ask you to remind us of Caleb's example in the moments that we're going to need to remember it. When we see problems, help us to see with eyes of faith. When we think about the vision that you called us to, the promises that you've spoken over this church over our lives, help us not to doubt, help us not to be wet blankets, but help us to be like Caleb and bring good report and faith and fervor for what you called us to. Lord, would you cause us to be different in our workplaces, in our schools, in our universities, in our neighbourhoods, as we go out and about in our everyday lives, God, may we carry a different spirit and help us to stay strong. Holy Spirit, fill us anew. Immerse us anew with supernatural strength and power. Power to be witnesses. Power to live the life that you called us to. So Holy Spirit, I ask that you just remind us of Caleb when we need to remember him. In Jesus' name. Why don't everyone just quick keep your eyes closed for just a moment. I want to give people an opportunity to respond to Jesus. Right throughout the service, we've sung songs about Jesus. We've shared communion, remembering what Jesus has done for us. I've preached a message from the Bible, and all of the Bible really ultimately points to Jesus. The reality is Jesus loves you. You might not feel it, you might not know it, you might have never heard it before, but Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you so much that he had you in mind when he hung upon that cross. He had you in mind when he drew his first breath and came back to life. And that's exactly what he wants to happen for you. He wants you to draw your first breath as a child of God this morning. And so if you're here or if you're on the live stream and you're listening to this and you want to say yes to the love of Jesus, you want to become a child of God, it's really as simple as this. Asking God for forgiveness for the things that you've done that you've turned your back on Him. Turning around and facing Him and receiving His grace and His love. It's really as simple as saying yes. All of that is simply saying yes to Jesus. So if you're here or if you're on the live stream and you want to do that, why don't you just give me a wave right now or on the live stream, just a thumbs up or whatever it might be. Just give me a wave right now if you're ready to do that. Just look over the building ready to do that, let me pray for those who want to make this decision. Jesus, I thank you that you're drawing people's hearts to you. That right now you are revealing your love for people in this place and online. Lord, I pray that you will just pour out your grace and your mercy over them. I pray that they would walk out of here or log off today 
with a brand new sense of hope and love filling their hearts that they are children of God. And so, Father, I pray you would help them to make those first steps, that you would help them to know you and to trust you, and that you would give them the courage to keep coming back and to keep turning up so that they can find out more about you and get to know some of their brothers and sisters. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Charlie. I wasn't sure what to expect, but that exceeded everything that I'd hoped for this morning. And, and I will be. That's supposed to be a compliment, by the way. What I mean quite seriously, I, I think that's a word for our church. Yes. I really do. I think there's some encouragements in there that if we were to take on individually, if our families, collectively as a church, like, yeah, like, you know, the new normal won't cut. And particularly when we feel like God has led us to, to pioneer something in Blacktown that wouldn't just benefit the Christians in Blacktown, it would actually become a spiritual awakening. You know, that some of the data we heard this week is that 16% tends to be the tipping point in any place. Wouldn't it be an incredible vision to see 16% of Blacktown come to know Jesus and more? To actually work towards seeing something of a cultural, atmospheric, dynamic change in our city. And that will only happen from some of those things that we talked about today. So you've been such a huge blessing to us. Um, just a reminder again, I've talked about it. Uh, Heart and Soul on Tuesday night. Next week, Open House. And then when we're back here in a couple of weeks after Sabbath weekend, we'll be continuing our Ephesians series, which is all about how we can continue to do that. So have an incredible week. We'll see you Tuesday or next Sunday. Grab a coffee. Wake up Al. He's napping outside. Go and sit on him. <laughs> Wasn't because of your message, I promised. <laughs> All right. We'll see you. We'll see you soon, guys. <laughs>